This podcast is sponsored by Hey You, the home of the Housewives, with every episode and every season of The Real Housewives available to stream or download. You can head over to heyyou.com and get yourself a free trial. And after that, it is only $5.99 a month, which is like the price of a cup of coffee. Plus, there is no commitment. You can cancel any time. I know January is duvet day time. You might want to take one of those for yourself just to get, you know, into the swing of things in the new year. Don't worry. Hey You has you covered. On Mondays, you will get new episodes of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Thursdays, the OGs of the OC, Real Housewives of Orange County, is back. And on Fridays, we will turn the heat up even in January with the return of The Real Housewives of Miami. That is a really stellar lineup of our faves. I think we have plenty to look forward to, even in January. That is the power of Heyu. So head over to heyu.com now and try it out for free. Welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and you're very welcome back for another brand new episode. I was uh, emailing a guest about coming on the show this week, and I, in the subject line, said, New Year, New Housewives and Me. And I wish, I wish I had said that in the intro for last week's episode. <laughs> So we started a brand new year of podcasting. But anyway, I'm saying it now just because I did. I wrote that and went, oh, that's funny. You know, when you really think you've nailed it. Anyway, you're very welcome back for another brand new episode. Thank you for all the lovely messages about Thomas Kane Byrne, who was on the show last week. That was so much fun. And hopefully we can chat to Thomas again on the show soon. This week, we have another doozy of a guest for you. Uh, some of you may have heard me on the podcast, Is This Real Life, a couple of months ago. And Mandy Sutsker, who is the host of that show, has joined me today for a chat. She has so much insight into the shows. She's watching housewives for years she's been podcasting about them for years and also she has some really funny run-ins that she talks about in this episode as well so it is a little bit of everything we got into all the cities basically so i'm very excited for you to hear this one here is mandy sutsker on housewives and me My guest today is the host of the amazing Real Housewives and just reality TV in general podcast, Is This Real Life? Mandy Slutsker, welcome to Housewives and Me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much for being on the show. I got to be on your podcast recently, which is very fun, and I appreciate you returning the favor. We have so much good, juicy housewife stuff to get into, because as we're talking, it's like end of one year going into the next, so it's like there's so much at stake for our favorite shows. But before we do that, I'm so curious to know, how did you get into Real Housewives? I think I saw the OC here and there, like when it first came on in maybe 2006, 2007, but I didn't really get into it until season three of Beverly Hills. I started watching from the beginning. And then Mm -hmm. from there, there was the Vanderpump Rules offshoot and I got really into that. And it just kind of, I just kept on adding different franchises like to my repertoire. (laughs) And then um, at the end of 2015, Uh, Unfortunately, my apartment burned down and then two weeks later, my mom died. So it was a really rough time. And the Mm -hmm. only thing that really got me through was watching Bravo. It was like the only time Mm -hmm. I felt like my brain was given a break from the pain and the drama and all of that that I was going through. And so I just kind of dove in and started watching all of the franchises. And I love it. <laughs> Where did the podcast then come into play for you? Was it around that time as well? It was four years ago. I was on Twitter and there was this other podcast. I think it was called like the Pump Rules podcast or something. And we were back and forth like tweeting at each other. And they 
invited this <laughs> this other person on their podcast, but since I was on the tweet, I thought they were inviting me, and I got so <laughs> excited. And then when I realized it was the other people, I had to tweet out that um, gif of like Homer Simpson walking back into the bushes, <laughs> like hiding himself again. But then I thought, okay, if I really wanted to be on a podcast, maybe I should just start my own. I was at a mm-hmm. time in my career where I was a little bored with what I was doing, but I wasn't ready to switch jobs yet. And I felt like I didn't have a creative outlet. And so this kind of was just a way to, you know, do something interesting and get to meet other people. And it's proven to be just a lot of fun. If it wasn't fun, I think I would stop doing it. It's interesting too, because I know that you have a day job that is totally separate to uh, podcasting and house and all that kind of thing. It's kind of a more, I guess, a more serious kind of job. But in your day-to-day life, in your day job, do you find that like housewives is a good icebreaker with people or it's a way to kind of make friends? Because it is that kind of thing of the way people talk or feel about the shows, if they get them, if they understand the, the vibe of them, is a good way to kind of bond with people. It totally is. There's a couple people at my office who also watch Housewives and that mm-hmm. is just like the most fun. And sometimes I do meet people like through my job, but most of the time people don't watch it. And so that's fine, you know. <laughs> but every once in a while I'll have someone be like, wait, are you, do you have a podcast? <laughs> Google me, you know, and it like it's taking like, you know, multiple pages until my actual job shows up because it's all like random (laughs) podcast stuff. So like, yeah. And then it's always fun to find someone that works in public health and does advocacy and lobbying that also is into the housewives, you know. And also I'd imagine like that sounds like it's probably quite stressful and time consuming work. So in a way, people in your field probably appreciate the the break that you mentioned earlier that housewives kind of gives them from quite serious day-to-day stuff. Yeah, I believe that there are housewives fans across, like it's just, it cuts across so many different industries, types of jobs, age groups, um, socioeconomic status, education level, everything. Like I think that there are people that love these shows in every aspect and area of society. And so what I love about doing a podcast is I get to meet people that I probably wouldn't otherwise meet, you know, because we work in completely different areas. You work at night, I work during the day, like we wouldn't, you know, or we don't, uh, Mm. we're not in the same city or whatever it is. And it's so fun to meet people with just, I don't know, that do other things than what I do. It's just, you know, it'd be boring otherwise. That's so true. And I was actually going to ask you about the Bravo fandom in general. Like, how do you find it in terms of, do you think it's like a positive space overall? It sounds like you've been, you've had good experiences and got to meet really kind of cool, like-minded people from fans to podcasters, I guess, to like kind of contemporaries that you would have in in that space. Yeah, I have a positive experience with it, but I also am not like overly online. So I miss a lot of things. And I also tend to miss when there's drama between Housewives fan accounts and I find out about it way later or I never find out. So sometimes I think I have my head in the sand. And I know a lot of people think that Bravo fandom can be toxic. But, uh, you know, as someone who lives and works in Washington, D.C., I just can't think of anything more toxic than our political system. So (laughs) (laughs) compared to what's currently happening in politics, it just doesn't feel that bad. And I think sometimes people need to take it a little bit less seriously than they do. It's not meant it's supposed housewives are supposed to be fun. Right. And so that's sort of my my view on it. I think I think I would agree with you there, although I'm obsessed with the idea that like there's all these big Bravo accounts having drama like 
I that's completely news to me. I'm like, wait, so it's like memes by Bravo and Bravo memes are like, you stole my meme. Is it like, what is going on? <laughs> no, there's all kinds of weird stuff that I find out later, like people getting upset about, oh, you stole my name or my idea or people spreading rumors about other accounts, trying to dox. Like if someone has an, a Bravo <gasps> account, but they don't have their name behind it, trying to figure out who they are. It's like, why do you wow. care? You know, and I think some of it also, um, I didn't hear about it before the pandemic. And I wonder how much of it people just like are constantly on their phones and constantly online and kind of living in this alternate reality because for many months we couldn't see people, <laughs> you know, like our real friends and family. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes people, I don't know, plus there's toxic people all over the place, you know, in every field and every work setting. There's always people that just love drama and create it. And, you know, we like to watch them on TV. We don't like to interact with them in real life. And so I, <laughs> I, I try to keep those types of people at arm's length. Yeah, I, I'd be with you. I think it's almost like as well, like, I think some people watch the shows and they start to think they're on the shows. I'm like, no, no, as you say, they're the people on our screens. They are not how we behave in real life. Like, exactly. I don't know. I just could never deal with that level of drama. It would make me too stressed out. I do like the idea that perhaps we could engineer some drama, like a fake drama, but drama nonetheless, where I could after this be like, <laughs> just an interview Mandy you wouldn't believe what she said and I'm like you guys go tag her in the comments or some shit and you can go fight back and go well I've got a recording of you saying this we could really it could be really good for us <laughs> yeah no so and then there's some people who just thrive off of negative attention because they just need mm -hmm. any kind of attention and you just shouldn't give it to them that I just believe True. you just if someone says something that upsets you let it be. Don't interact. Don't give them engagement. <laughs> you know what? I agree. But I always think this is why we wouldn't be reality stars because production would be like, yeah, we need you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I would be, I'd be honestly a terrible, terrible person for reality TV. <laughs> like every interview in the chair, you'd be like, I just, I'm going to let it be. It doesn't bother me. And production like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> Same. But I would be well, never. It's, that's why I'll never do reality TV. Not that they've ever asked me, but anyway. Right. And they're like, what's your story? What's going on with you. I was like, well, I just found out that my dog has chronic acid reflux. And so I'm deciding whether or not she needs to stay on Pepsi AC for the rest of her life. <laughs> They're like, we're not sure if that's a season long story arc, but we could definitely <laughs> feature it in an episode. <laughs> you know, like it's just, uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe, yeah, okay. Well, we'll we can, we, again, we, maybe we can create some reality storylines later. Anyway, um, let's get into the shows because there's been lots of amazing stuff that's happened and is set to happen. I suppose if we're looking back on the year that was in Housewives, Ultimate Girlship really kind of <laughs> arrived in the very end of the year and really kind of took everybody by surprise. How did you feel about that as sort of the first time we got the women together from across the franchises? I loved it so much more than I even thought was possible. I think the fact that they allowed the women to talk about the shows and that they actually showed that on Ultimate Girls Trip, like the breaking of the fourth wall continuously was, mm -hmm. to me, made it so much more real and authentic because these are the conversations they actually have with one another. This is what they mm -hmm. have in common is that they're all on TV, on the same franchise and the same network. And so let them talk about it. And I think that made for way more interesting conversation than 
kind of all the other stuff that they could have done. And so I think the allowing of the breaking of the fourth wall is what made Ultimate Girls Trip so entertaining. Yeah, you're right. And it was like, it was such an unknown quantity. Like we obviously saw bits and pieces of them filming it over the summer. And even we were like, I'm not sure about this cast. And people were like, I don't know why so-and-so's there. But looking back at it now, it's like they actually cast it brilliantly. Like it was a lovely mix of, I guess the different kind of personalities you get on the shows and like the archetypes almost that are on the shows in general. Yeah, totally. And it leaves room open for future casts of different girls trips, right? Because Mm -hmm. the Real Housewives of Potomac, which is one of my favorite franchises, they were filming at the time. So they couldn't have anyone from Potomac show up uh, to Turks and Caicos. And so I'm hoping that future ones, you know, will have a women from Potomac and some of the other cities, you know, that maybe didn't get a chance to do this first one. And I love them going back and taking old housewives that maybe we're not ready to see on a franchise again um, for yeah. many reasons, right? Like Brandy Glanville is a really good example. Like, I don't know if she would fit on Beverly Hills anymore, but I still am interested in seeing her mess, but maybe only for six episodes, you know, like, I don't know if I could handle more than that. Something that is coming in February of 2022, and it's a show that I think has had a... It's weird. I feel like it's had this renaissance in the last few years, and it's still kind of slightly flying under the radar of some viewers, but New House, Housewives of New Jersey is back. We know it's coming in February. We've seen the trailer. What are your kind of hopes or expectations for the new season, or have you heard anything about what's going to go down? It, they've certainly implied that there's some level of drama and fighting on par with like the table flip, which they don't ever mention lightly. I am so excited for Jersey. So I Jersey was the last city that I got into. And so I when did I start watching? Maybe season 8, but I think Siggy was still on and I'm Jewish and so I, when she started calling Marge anti-Semitic, I was like I can't watch this. Like this is offensive. She's like misusing this term and I like she's bringing shame to my people. <laughs> please. Oh, wow. So I stopped watching, but um, I got into it in season nine and I've been really into it since. And I've been actually going back and watching early seasons to kind of get brought back, brought back to, you know, what is some of the origin story between Melissa and Teresa, all of that stuff. Um, I've heard that Teresa and Marge really go at it, but I'm really actually interested in Jackie and Dolores because that's something I didn't see coming. So I feel like there's just my favorite housewives trope is like shifting alliances. So people that are unlikely allies or friends becoming allies or friends and constantly like shifting dynamics where some people get along, some people don't, and that shifts constantly. And I think it's really rare to get that from a cast that has stayed the same for four seasons. So this is, I think, The Real Housewives of New Jersey has an incredible cast. I think Jackie and Jennifer Aiden were really, really well cast. And I just, I love it. I'm so excited. Also, it's so funny you mentioned Dolores and Jackie because there's two moments in the trailer. There's one part where they are like, they look thick as thieves and they're commenting, I think, on Jennifer or something. They're like, oh, yep, oh, and it's like they're clearly close. And then there's the, we get some kind of sequence of them having some kind of fight that looks like it may or may not get physical. And I was like, oh, I love this levels. Like, because it was, I think Dolores' birthday recently and Jackie posted something really nice about it. I thought, well, 
if they were beefing now, she would not have put that up. But also that bit in the trailer, like they looked really mad at each other. So I, I'm actually very looking forward to that because I really like Dolores, but sometimes she doesn't always have the most going on. So I'm like, put Dolores in the mix. I want to see what she's going to do. Yeah, apparently she's got a new boyfriend. Her and David broke up. Um, and it was really interesting watching Ultimate Girls Trip because I feel like I finally got the sort of positive side of Teresa that I hadn't seen since I'm a newer viewer to the franchise. And so I'm like, oh, this is why people like her. She actually does have like a sweet disposition. We just don't get to see it on her show. And, um, so it's kind of nice to at least know that there are positive aspects to her because been I've been watching her for the last however many seasons on Jersey. And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. sometimes she is insufferable with this family stuff. Like, you know, she just doesn't let things go. She doesn't get over stuff. She refuses to acknowledge basic facts like her husband likely cheated on her and he is the reason for her family breaking up <laughs> and like you know and I find it really interesting that Gia is seeming more prominent in the trailer because she is such a big defender of her father and like her father's mm. name kind of and his reputation and I don't know I don't know and she was she was heavily featured last season when Jackie used the analogy about Gia snorting coke in the bathroom at a party. And I just think, you know, at this point, if Gia's wanting to be on the show and she's getting paid for being on the show and she's over 18, she's doing this at her free will, then she's opening herself up to criticism that I don't think she ever received before. And I hope she's ready for it the way that Brooks Marks was not ready for it. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Like, there, she has that moment in the trailer with, with um, like, Joe Gorgon, obviously, like, Melissa's Joe. So I'm kind of like, okay, like, there's, I mean, family is the core of that show, so we'll see. But um, I did laugh during Girls Trip when Teresa was like, no way stands up for me on my show. I was like, uh, Dolores saw that and probably cried. I was like, are you kidding me? Dolores has your back so much on Jersey. Like, I just, like, Teresa, you're, you're writing a fiction now. Totally. Dolores. And that's, I think, Dolores's Achilles heel is Teresa. Like, she won't let people get away with shit, but she lets Teresa get away with everything. It reminds me a little bit of Meredith and Mary on yeah. um, Salt Lake City. Like, Meredith is calling out everyone's shit except for Mary B. Cosby or Mary M. Cosby. God, it's so true. Do you know what? Let's, let's get into Salt Lake City because it is currently airing. I feel like we're probably going to get a reunion in January or, or like late January, early February. I don't know. I feel like we're at some point this killer season is going to have to wind down. But how have you found this roller coaster ride of a second season? And, and where do you think Salt Lake City kind of fits amongst the other Housewives shows? I love Salt Lake City because it is so different than the other franchises. I feel like we get so much from this cast. And I think a lot of it is because they're more diverse and not just mm -hmm. racially, but from religion and background and Jenny being the first housewife that I think is a refugee, right? She she mm -hmm. left her country and came here. And that's an experience that I think is really unique and interesting. Um, my father is a refugee. So I, I like seeing that that storyline. I feel like we didn't get enough background on her yet, but maybe I also feel bad for her coming on a season where there's so much stuff happening with like Jen Shaw and Mary Cosby. But anyways, I I think that the second half of the season has been much better than the first half. And I am interested to see how these relationships and dynamics continue to evolve between the women because now they seem to realize I'm on a TV show. 
And for the first season, it was like they were filming, but I don't think it was setting in that they were on a TV show aside from Lisa Barlow and Jen Shaw. The rest of Mm -hmm. them were just kind of like not sure if this was a real thing. And now I feel like a lot of the arguments that they're having have undertones about the show. It's not that you did this. It's that you did this on camera. And those are the things that I find really interesting. And I'm hoping that we get into it a bit more in the reunion. For sure. It's kind of that cliche, isn't it? That as you, like it's been said by Housewives for years that a lot of what we're seeing on screen are almost HR disputes dressed up as stuff about dinner parties. But I definitely think Lisa Barlow in particular is talking about her character and they want to blah, 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 but Lisa Barlow, they count Lisa Barlow's in their sheep. It's very like she is, seems to be so frightened about how she's being perceived by the audience as this all plays out. I feel like she is constantly talking about the show in a way that the rest of them are kind of afraid to. Totally. And I actually think her and Jen Shaw became friends because both of them, for them being a real housewife, is their identity. And for the other women, oh. I don't think it's their primary identity. I think it's something that they do but it doesn't define them. But it seems to define Lisa Barlow and Jen Shaw, and they seem to care more about the show. And so that's what I think binds them together. But it seems like Lisa knows a lot of stuff about Jen's past or her present that she's not sharing. And so I'm wondering, is that ever going to come out? You know, I don't know. It seems like a lot of them know crap about each other. And and they're, I'm, I'm excited to see when Meredith says, like, I'm going to talk about who we all dated, who no one wants to talk about or, or something <laughs> like that, because there's this rumor that three of them dated the same man in New York, which is wild. since they're Harry all Dubin. they're all, I know. I hope it's not Harry Dubin. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. It's but at it's this point. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Stop trying to thought that you have these perfect marriages when you're cheating or whatever. I mean, Meredith hasn't pretended to have a perfect marriage, but the others have tried to showcase that. And mm-hmm. what's what happened with all of that? That's the stuff that I want to know. So this whole of the whole last season, you were all just like acting nice, but you were all like fucking the same guy. Like what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> like I want to know. <laughs> I am endlessly entertained by it. <laughs> I'm also fascinated by Jen re-emerging onto the show after we see all the arrest footage and like just I'm innocent I haven't <laughs> even no God, you have to believe me like this this histronics like it's the hysterical way she goes from like well the way she goes from like not to hysterical to me is such a red flag because it just it feels like she's faking when she's crying or she's almost like so cold and dead behind the eyes and she's like oh no these people it's like okay what what is going on here right jen shaw i believe is the most dangerous narcissistic woman we have ever seen on bravo ever whoa them's fighting words (laughs) i believe that i think she is so narcissistic that she believes truly in her bones that she is always the victim in every scenario yeah yeah and when someone really believes their own victimhood it you can't i mean <laughs> I don't know. How, how do you go against that i mean clearly the southern district of new york knows how but the rest of us <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's all 
also wild to me how hard fans went after Erica Girardi and how light they seem to be on Jen Shaw. When Erica may have known about crimes, but certainly did not commit them, and she benefited from crimes, but again, did not commit them, and Jen Shaw committed these crimes and apparently was the mastermind behind this entire telemarketing scheme. So it's not just her, it, and it's not just Stuart. It was like a whole web of people that were all sharing information and using encrypted messaging and ripping off the you know elderly, the disabled people who were, you know, didn't even have computers. Oh, it's it's really dark. And I think I don't know why people are vilifying Erica more so. And I see, I know why they're vilifying her. I get it, right? But they seem to have this like righteous anger, the fans, towards Erica that I don't see towards Jen Shaw. I have thought about this too, actually. And I can't, I'm wondering, is it something as simple as we have spent more time watching Erica Jane? So we, we just react more to her because in our heads, we feel like we quote unquote know her more. Is it the fact that like more people probably watch Beverly Hills, so there's more eyes on Erica? Is it that like, on some level, we think Jen is going to face consequences for this, so we we don't feel we have. Like, sometimes I think the way people go so hard for Erica, and I think I would agree with you some of it. I think some of the disappointment and the vitriol is justified. Obviously, we shouldn't be. I know she's mentioned death threats she's gotten, which is obviously unacceptable. But like, I think the annoyance that we feel about Erica is obviously valid and comes from a a sense of inju- injustice we feel. But is there a sense too that we know on some level that it might torpedo her pop career? But like Erica Jane is never going to go to prison and I'm not saying she should, but the kind of consequences she'll face are purely the court of public opinion where on some level, Jen could actually like go to jail for 30 years. I mean, she will go to jail probably for 10 years or more. I'm telling (laughs) you. Allegedly, allegedly, very strong libel laws in Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm fine. Listen, it's your opinion. It's fine. This is my, um, you know, educated guess here. Um, I do think you make a good point, though, because Erica, it's like she's not really being held accountable, you know, and she's still yeah, and and either by her co-stars. Like people aren't really asking the questions aside from Sutton and a little bit Garcelle and a teeny, teeny, weeny bit Kyle, you know, whereas these women all said out loud a lot of questions they have about Jen. But now that she's filming with them again, they seem to be walking most of it back. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, and I don't know how many of your listeners are like based in the U.S. or based outside, Mm -hmm. but the Southern District of New York, so there's like, I think maybe 96 federal districts um, in our court system. The Southern District of New York is the most prestigious and the most... I'm trying to think of like the right word, but they do not bring charges unless they have like a 99% chance of putting you behind bars with these charges. Like they do not bring up indictments unless they feel confident that they can win a jury trial. And so, um, and, and they focus and they primarily are known for going after financial crimes. So this is the district that is um, Manhattan and um, I'm not sure what other, maybe Westchester County. Um, And then the Eastern District of New York, which is Brooklyn and Long Island, they're known more for like terrorism charges. They ended up going after the Boston Marathon uh, bombings and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But 
the SDNY does not play. It is not a joke. And I just feel like, I don't know if Jen doesn't understand that or if other viewers don't seem to understand the gravity Mm -hmm. of these charges. What Tom Girardi did was despicable, but I don't see it going to like a federal court. I, I don't know. I just don't. This is like a massive, like Tom Girardi's was like, he ran a scheme with his business. But this goes beyond just one business. It goes to like multiple businesses, multiple people, I think potentially more victims. Truly, um, it's a big deal. And it feels like people, I don't know, are like not, especially Jen, aren't seeming to understand the gravity. Like she'll cry and say, oh, I may not see my son graduate from high school. I may not ever celebrate Ram. This might be the last Ramadan I celebrate with my family. And it's like, yes, yeah, at least she's acknowledging. But I feel like in the, in like the next sentence, she she's like out there again, not quite absorbing <laughs> the gravity of the situation. That's really interesting. And you mentioned there the Southern, Southern District of New York are the ones that have kind of gone half to her and have had this investigation and this may be an obvious question so i'm sorry if it's like an, a, a silly thing to ask but given that she's based in utah why would a district from new york investigate is it because the crime happens countrywide because it was phone based or great question how does that work it's a jurisdiction question so she had a sales floor in manhattan And so because Uh, some of the crimes happened at that sales floor in Manhattan, the SDNY was like, we want jurisdiction over this. So over the courts in Utah, over Wyoming or wherever else things were happening, they're like, we want to take this on. And then they put their resources into investigating this web of this telemarketing scheme. And then she got caught in that web and they led the indictment. And they they tend to... um, their reputation is known for going after, they go after all kinds of stuff, but especially financial crimes and things like this. So, yeah. Well, Jen, you've got a big storm coming. (laughs) It's it's wild. (laughs) It's wild. And like her stands on Twitter and on whatever social media are like, this show was nothing without her. I was like, it better be something without her. Because they're not going to have an option. Right. <laughs> you know, and now that her Stewart flipped, it's like almost guaranteed. You know, I'm shocked that she has not tried to find a plea agreement with them where she pleads guilty in, you know, with hope for a reduced sentence. That, that I'm just shocked that she's not doing that. Yeah, like she just really wants to like fake cry on TV and hope that, oh, I don't know, it's it's baffling. I think that even if she is found guilty, she will maintain her innocence for as long as she lives. I think she is just one of those people that believes her own lies, which scares me. Mm-hmm. I, f- I find that more terrifying than someone who lies to try and cover up stuff. Because you're like, if Erica is lying right, which we see her do. She's lying to try and protect her reputation, to try and protect Tom. And it's like, okay, I understand why she's doing it. She's still an asshole for doing this. With Jen, she's lying, but I think she believes herself. So I'm like, oh God, (laughs) like, what do you do with someone like that? You know? Yeah, that's that's so true. And it's like, that's what makes someone a great reality star. But then when it comes to this stuff, you're like, okay, I'm actually like a little bit scared of you now. Oh, totally. And if she was behind sending threatening messages to Brooks Marks and to all the other women, like that is wild to like get a burner phone to use to send threatening messages to your co-stars and their families. 
Like, that's insane. Yeah. Oh, God. And we haven't even got to the reunion where they'll talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's, just, it's just delivering. What can I say? This podcast is sponsored by Hey You, which is the home of the housewives. Every season and every episode of all of the real housewives is available to stream or download right now on Hey You. And it is the only place you will get new episodes the same day as the US. No spoilers here because we are getting stuck straight in thanks to Hey You. You can start a free trial now at HeyU.com. And after that, it's only $5.99 per month, which is like the price of a cup of coffee. And there's no commitments. You can cancel whenever you want. Everything you could need housewives-wise is on Hey You. Salt Lake is a new show, I mean, you were shown in Pantheon, but obviously the one that started all was OC, which is back for a new season with Heather Dubrow, I guess kind of top of the heap. I mean, we're not that many episodes into the new season, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm curious what you make of this kind of, I guess, reboot of sorts of OC. I like it. I think it was getting, I don't know, it felt like a chore to watch last season. I wasn't really in, enjoying it and the, the women didn't seem to mesh at all. And I feel like this is a stepping stone season, like this reboot. I think next season will be much better because right now it's sort of like these women wouldn't necessarily hang out together. Some of them would, but some it's like feels a little forced. And the other thing I'm a little bit cautious and wary of is I think Heather Dubrow is given too much power. And so because they invited her back and she's sort of the face behind the reboot and bringing OC back, they kind of are going to let her get away with whatever she wants this season, right? Because she already threatened to leave on, what, episode two of filming at her house. (laughs) And then- We're done. We're done. done. Camera's down. Yeah. We're done. And (laughs) the fact that she felt like she could get away with that- makes me kind of like no one's holding her in check. And I never like, even on like Real Housewives of New York, when Bethany felt like it was her show and there was no one to hold her in check. Like it just, I feel like there always needs to be someone, you know, kind of checking whoever has the most power, I guess. And so that's my my fear. But I am enjoying it way more than the last maybe four seasons. And I am very compelled by this Noella and James divorce storyline. It is, I would assume like prior to this, I wouldn't be interested because it's like, she's new. I don't know her. Why should I care about her divorce? I never got to see her marriage to begin with, but something about it pulls me in and I am interested. There's something about the way the Noella thing has come up, the divorce in particular, like because she kind of related on these FaceTime calls with like, Gina and Shannon it seems like it did happen with their production realizing well because they haven't they don't have the coverage or actual shots of the big conversations like in the way they would on other cities where they kind of knew it was someone's storyline so like it feels like she's learning this almost in real time and she's coming to grips with being on the show as her own cast member versus somebody's friend and it's just like it has this surreal quality where I'm like is she okay you know it's it's bizarre Yeah, there's also a lot of rumors circulating around her. And, you know, who knows what's true, what's not true. But a lot of people have said that she's been campaigning to be on this show for a long time. And uh, sometimes the people that, like, really want to be housewives are interesting to watch. And sometimes it's like, ooh, you want this too much? It's not going to be good. But I think she falls on the 
the former when she is com- something about her is compelling also like on a shallow note like her confessional looks she looks amazing and she she'll just kind of pause and say something really dramatic and go but my life is over and I'm like oh you're meant to be a housewife like right. you, watch you go you know what I get it I get it <laughs> when I first like saw her and like listened to her I was like oh she's got this Bronwyn quality that I'm not yeah. sure is going to work. Like she wants this too much. But for some reason, I think she actually makes a good housewife and Bronwyn doesn't, despite them having very similar sort of styles to like throwing it all out there. You know, there's just something about Noella that I find interesting to watch. And I also really like Dr. Jen as an addition to the show. I think she is classic OC. And that's sort of what we were missing, like just what you would imagine a wealthy housewife in the OC is. And um, it's great that she also has her own business and that she's a medical doctor, like, you know, bonus points. Yeah, no, she's she seems like a fully rounded person. And I think going back to Heather, I do wonder, is Heather, like in some ways they've, you know, they build her as the comeback queen and she's in charge. But I'm also like, is she going to end up being the villain because she is very soap opera and quite scary in the way that she's already kind of basically told Shannon I will ruin your life if you so much as look at me again you know like that's quite I like that because in a way I'm like if she's the villain like that's actually really exciting and I think she would if she lets herself be the villain I think it'll work out quite well and I think she she might I think the issue like an example is Lisa Barlow who is somewhat of a villain is not letting her like she's just not stepping fully in it's like accept being the villain you know and I I think Heather might um but yeah it's just interesting she seems very calculated in what she's going to bring up and what she's not going to bring up and what she's going to say and what she's not going to say and who she's going to like and who she's not going to like it seems very calculated but it is interesting to watch I do like seeing her family I like seeing her home you know, she brings back some of the glitz and glamour that was missing. So I am enjoying this this season. I am. I, there's a lot of interesting, you know, food for thought. <laughs> yeah. And the dynamics and like just Heather and Shannon alone. I'm like, oh, God, there is so much not being said between them already. I'm like, uh, like even Shannon's kind of groveling a bit with her. And I'm like, oh, Shannon, she has you. She's got you, gal. Yeah. Shannon is interesting like she has survived a mass culling twice <laughs> like yeah yeah first you know when they got rid of Vicky and Tamara and then when they got rid of all those other people from last season like and she has survived each time and there's something about her that is just like she's a tragic character and <laughs> I don't know in the beginning I think we were rooting for her and now I'm not sure what we're doing with her we're just like watching her but um what's interesting is that I would have thought if she's still with this guy John that he would film more with her and be part of her storyline but he's definitely stepped back big time and her yeah. daughters are stepping up as sort of the family storyline And I don't know that I feel like when whatever rumor was that was brought up last season about him being really drunk at a golf tournament, like he must have just flipped out with that and was like, I'm not doing this. No, I thought the same. At one point I was like, I was watching it. I was like, is she still with John? And then she mentioned him in passing. I was like, 
okay, because before she was like all over him on camera. And I was wondering, was the conversation had where he's like, look, sorry, I can't do that anymore. Because they always, you always hear stories of productions annoyed if so-and-so's boyfriend or husband won't film. And I was like, how is Shannon not showing her love life at all? Yeah, at all. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh no! I really do want her to be happy one day. I just think Shannon isn't capable of being happy. Like she's just always looking for the negative, and she's always finding something to be upset about. And she will, yeah. I do. I do feel bad for her that she. I don't think got what she deserved in her divorce settlement. And certainly those girls didn't get what they deserved if their father, who is extremely wealthy, is not paying for their college education. I think that is a load of shit. If you are a wealthy parent and your child has the ability to go to college, I believe, and wants to, I believe you should pay for it rather than, you know, setting them up for a lifetime of being in debt (laughs) in the United States. No. You know? Yeah, no, that is very weird. So those are kind of the shows that are airing the moment or, you know, like are coming back soon. But in terms of 2022, are there any housewives moments or shows or things that you're particularly excited about or like have a feeling are going to be worth keeping an eye on like what's kind of coming up this year do you think so it's not housewives but i am so excited about summer house probably more excited than i am about anything else that is going to be shown this year i love summer house it is sort of for me the new vanderpump rules kind of taken Vanderpump Rules' place in terms of the like 20s and 30s crowd. You know, um, it's so good. If you guys haven't seen last season, you should definitely go back and watch. It was, it's just, I'm very entertained by them. All right. Well, there you go. Housewives out, Summer House in. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm hearing that from a lot of people. (laughs) I love Housewives. Um, I'm really excited for Jersey in particular. And, um, you know, I always love Potomac. So whenever they have uh, Potomac again, I, I'm i so excited. Um, I'm excited to get a break from New York. I really think they need one. And hopefully they can do a reboot a la OC where they can just get it together with casting. And, um, you know, I do think we will get another Beverly Hills season before the end of 2022 because they started filming real quick. And I think it could be really yeah. good because this past season was really good. Yeah, and I think the same thing will happen with Salt Lake City because they're going to want to wrap and they're going to want to start filming again before Jen's trial. Yeah. Oh my so gosh, Jesus. there is a lot that's of content so, coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever happens, we'll always have Bravo. Um, I'm so curious. I mean, you've been podcasting about Housewives for a while now. You you know you know other people in the fandom and, and you engage with the fans. But when it comes to the Housewives themselves, have you had any run-ins, be it in real life or online or on social media, anything like that over, over the years? I've had a couple run-ins, not many. I kind of like to keep my distance. Um, and I, I don't know if I ever like DM or message someone. I always want it to be a positive thing. I feel like they get enough hate. Um, so if I don't like yeah. someone, I, they don't need to hear from me. I who did I meet? Oh, I met um Margaret and Bershawn the same night in DC where oh. Margaret was doing a book signing. I didn't know she was doing a book signing. Someone was like, oh, she's staying or she's doing it at this bar, a hotel bar. And I was like, well, I can't make it for the signing, but like I'll go to the bar and if she's not there, she's not there. Who cares? We can have a drink. So I went and she wasn't there, but then later she came by and I got to chat with her. And she's exactly like who she is on the show 
And she thought she knew me. She's like, you look so familiar. How do I know you? And I was like, you don't. I don't think you do. Like, I don't know you, you oh know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it was just, like, so funny. She was like, oh, my God. I was telling Joe the other day. <laughs> like, I was just telling Joe, like, blah, blah, blah. And um, we just had a nice chat. I am I mentioned before I'm Jewish. And I read her book. And she, uh, her ex-husband, Jan, was Jewish. And so those three children, she raised Jewish. And it's just interesting to hear, like, her perspective on that in the book and, I told her how much I enjoyed. I feel like she's sort of this like honorary Jew. And now I understand why I get that energy from her. Um, yeah. So that was really fun. Bershawn was super weird. She was there also. And I didn't <gasps> know because it was before the Real Housewives of New York had started um, mm-hmm. with her on it. So I didn't know like who she was or whatever. She's originally from D.C., which is why she was in D.C. And whenever oh, a housewife yeah. comes to D.C., she likes to show up and whatever. (laughs) So she was like, kind of approached me as if I was supposed to know who she was and I didn't and it was like awkward. (laughs) And then she took my phone and she's like, do you follow me? And I was like, I maybe (laughs) no, you know, I don't know who you are. (laughs) She opened my Instagram. She searched for herself and saw that I didn't follow her. Then clicked the follow button. It was like, now you do. And, Oh my god! So I later, so I later posted a picture of like me and Margaret and me and Bershawn, um, and she was like, and I like tagged her in it because I was like, oh, I guess this is like a new housewife or something, you know? And she like messaged me, DM me, like, thanks for the support. Like she'd never met you before. Like it's just so <laughs> weird. I was like, she's so obsessed with her like followers, and I don't know on Instagram. It was very oh bizarre. And then I don't know if it was a month ago or a month and a half ago. I went to the Sonia in the City a comedy <gasps> show that she put together, and uh, <laughs> the it way was... you said that comedy <laughs> dot 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 show Just question mark some sort of variety show it was entertaining <laughs> she is exactly like how she comes across exactly including mm. when she looks out of it um yeah that was a little bit weird uh i got a photo with her after because we did this like vip where we got to sit up front and oh, cool. she was i don't know it's like she seems like someone who, when there's like a shiny thing, she's like, oh, a new shiny thing. And then, oh, like she's just so easily distracted, but she's yeah. still like grounded. It's a very unusual thing where like she's out of it, but she's there. And it was, um, I don't know, I got like a little uncomfortable. I was like, is she like drunk? Like what's going on? <laughs> you know, yeah. she seems like she could just say anything. And and that kind of makes me nervous because I'm like, what's she going to say that's going to cause you know like I guess uh, at the show after us she said something about how like Andy Cohn slept with Harry Styles and it's Ooh. like if that is true that is not something you should be sharing oh my <laughs> I mean people have not I've shared heard, themselves you know I've but. heard tell of Harry Styles and other male stars and I don't say that like because I think it's tr- true or it's a bad thing but like I do think that's something that's gossiped about but I've never heard that in Relation to Andy Cohen, right? I heard, and you know, Sonia like probably heard some queen say that to another queen in a gay bar, and she went, "Oh my god, I'm gonna start saying this is true." And I'm like, it could be completely fabricated. Like, yeah, she would just say that. Yeah. So also, I just didn't really love how she was at the Black Shabbat on this season. I, you know, and in general, I'm like a little bit 
like, oh, God, Sonia, you really like should get some professional help. Um, and I'm not trying to be judgmental. I just think she seems very pained by her past and her relationship with alcohol doesn't seem to be very healthy. And so I hope – like I find her entertaining when she's sober. She's an entertaining person. Yeah. So she's a kook. I love her. She's yeah. so funny. I kind of want to see more of the fun side of her. And I kind of am hoping that if she comes back to the show, that maybe she can deal with some of her demons because I feel like this mm-hmm. season we saw a lot of the dark side of her. And I kind mm-hmm. of, I just don't want that anymore. Like these real housewives of New York, these women are haunted. Like <laughs> I swear to God, they are haunted by their pasts. <laughs> And it's becoming almost unwatchable to me. It's like there's – while I know that there's a lot of dark stuff happening on Salt Lake City, I still find it very fun and very camp and very like – I'm curious. Like what really is going on with Mary Cosby? Like what are these women saying about Jen behind her back? Like with New York, it's – I don't know. It's not fun anymore. And I really want it to be fun again. So – I'm laughing that you're mentioning, like, like I was kind of thinking there, you're talking about run-ins of people from Housewives of New York in D.C. And there was obviously that hilarious story recently about allegedly Candice LeMond yes! did a show in D.C., <laughs> turned up at some, like, high-end restaurant, begged for a table because she was a celebrity. And then the rumor was, or, like, the allegation was that she walked out on the bill and only went around and paid it when her publicist was politely informed that she hadn't by someone at New York magazine or something. Yeah. That she hadn't paid it's the bill. True. I mean, is that, was that hot goss in DC? Yeah, <laughs> it was. It even like made it into some of the like local political sort of people were like some housewife. And of course the people here I would say would be, I guess, less likely to know a Bravo liberty than maybe some other cities. Mm-hmm. And I only say that because my dog's name is Stasi, and most people aren't like, oh, from Vanderpump Rules. They're like, oh, <laughs> you mean the East German secret police? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, tell me you're in DC or that time. Yeah, right. Like, I was like, no, it's not Stasi. Like, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when I, mean, I explain, like, oh, it's like this reality star that's also a little white bitch, like, you know, like, it just doesn't <laughs> land. So, yeah, I actually live on the same street as the venue where Luann had the cabaret. And I'm only a few blocks from that restaurant, too. So, yeah, it like it's it's a nice restaurant. It's not like the fan like you you could afford something there. It's not like the most, you know, know, whatever. But it, it is a place that you have to have reservations in advance. And nobody cares if you're unless you're like the president or the secretary of transportation, like you're not going to, people aren't going to like move around a reservation to give you a table. And I actually know for a fact that when the vice president was there, that she did have reservations in advance. So <laughs> like, <laughs> if it's good enough for the VP, it right, should be good enough for the countess. Like, so just the audacity of her to walk in on a Friday night during one of their, you know, Friday nights and Saturday nights are so busy with restaurants, demand yeah. a table because she's a celebrity and has needs a safe place to hide out. And then to leave, <laughs> to leave without making sure that someone paid the bill is, I mean, atrocious at this time where, you know, what's happening with the service industry and the restaurant industry, yeah. it's been decimated, you know, servers are treated terribly. And, and then when she paid, it was only like a 22% tip. I mean, I'm telling you, if I had dined and dashed by accident, you bet I would have paid 
50, 75% (laughs) as tip and like apologized profusely, sent them, you know, a fruit basket. I don't know. Like I would have been bending over backwards. And I feel like the Luann monster is back. Like she is back to having an inflated ego and thinking she's more important than she is and treating people poorly. And I don't think that's cool. I don't either, but I am. I'm loving the fact that all this played out with mere seconds from your home. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. Yeah. It's like you were in the epicenter. Yeah, the restaurant's Le Diplomat. Some people call it Le Dip. It's like, you know, if you come to DC and you have a couple weeks in advance, you can make a reservation. It's it's a nice French restaurant. It's not like, I don't know, we don't have that many like hot spots, you know? And that's one of them. <laughs> I'm obsessed now that all these like Housewives fans are going to go on like a pilgrimage to the diplomat and be like, the- is this where she sat? Is this where she ran out? And I'm going to pay. Don't worry. <laughs> like it's going to have all these extra customers. One fun thing I did do was this year, me and a bunch of other Bravo podcasters in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area got together at the winery where the huge fight was between Monique and Candace on the Real Housewives of (laughs) Potomac. And um, the barn where it was held was closed, but they actually let us go in and we recreated the fight. And it's on my Instagram. (laughs) Um, And it was so fun. And we asked, like, do people come here? They're like, a lot more last year than this year. But yeah, people like show up and are like, where was the fight? (laughs) And so that was really, that was really fun. That's a historical site, and I know DC has a lot of them, but that can go on the list. Totally. It's like, it should be a UNESCO <laughs> heritage site. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I mean, you're a longtime Housewives fan. You have a podcast. I, I don't doubt on this question you're going to have something stellar to offer. But if you were going to be on a Housewives show, what would your tagline be? Oh, okay. I might have to explain it afterwards. But Okay. <laughs> I survived cholera, so I'm not putting up with any of your shit. (laughs) (laughs) In a way, I don't think you need to explain, but I'm curious what the explanation is. So I work in in global public health, and I um, spent time living in Bangladesh in 2009, and uh, they have a cholera season, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I got very sick. And I got better, but yeah, it, it's uh, cholera still exists. It's not just in those like in the U.S. A lot of us played the game Oregon Trail, and it was a game yeah. where you had to like make it from one side of the country to the other in like a wagon, and people died along the way. And one of the things that killed them was cholera. So when I actually got it, it was uh, alarming. You know, <laughs> I I always. Saying to myself with these interviews, oh, I, someone always brings up something I'm not expecting, but I certainly was not expecting that. <laughs> it's become like a joke between my friends because when they heard about it, they were like, are you kidding me? And when they heard what it was like, you know, because if you Google like cholera hospital Bangladesh, you will see where I spent some time and they, you know, they put you um, in a cot yeah. with the hole cut out and a bucket. this is almost like like on 30 rock when the jenna character would say things in passing she's like liz i had cholera in 2009 i can get through this like i could just something you would just say and everyone go what it's so true yeah and it's to think that like then the treatment is just like hydration i think i was on antibiotics i don't remember that much i had a pretty high fever but um yeah. So like when my friends were like, wait, and then the New York Times did, I don't know how many years ago, a like 
huge article on this hospital, and it's called ICDDRB, uh, the International Center for Diarrheal Disease and Research in Bangladesh. And uh, people, like, I had literally, like, 20 people being like, was this a hospital that they sent you to? <laughs> I'm telling you, I was at the best (laughs) hospital for cholera in the world. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was. (laughs) And during the season where it's spread more, they have a huge tent for people. Like, (laughs) it's like, I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh. It's just like, yeah. So. I was thinking about that before. That's your tagline. Before you That's had, I was thinking about it earlier today, and I was like, oh, "What would I? <laughs> what would I say?" Well, listen, and that just kind of it came to yeah. me. If you can't laugh, you cry. So I, I think you have to be. Able to laugh. I know. Okay. I hope people aren't so disgusted. <laughs> um, this this next question. <laughs> This next question, hopefully, well, I don't know, maybe it'll go the same way as the previous one, but this is, I think, one one that you are very well disposed to answer. You're having a dinner party tomorrow. You can have five people from Housewives World over for dinner. They can be full-time cast members, friends of, hangers-on, husbands, whoever you want. Who's coming over for dinner and why? Oh, oh my God. that oh, Those are so good. Um, That's a really good question. I'm trying to think of like people I would actually want to hang out with versus people I would want to like get information from. But if it's just people that I want to like hang out with, um, Karen Huger, number one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would have sent so new Morgan until I met her, and then I'm not sure anymore. There's just a little bit of <laughs> there's a little bit of darkness there that I'm not I'm not feeling okay. right now. Um, oh, and the hangers on. Hmm. Well, it could be anyone. I mean, friends of or side characters that you happen to like or whatever. Oh, Dorinda's realtor. <laughs> <laughs> realtor on, yes. yes. I want to know. She's, she must have stories. I really like Heather Gay on, on Salt Lake. Oh, I'm trying to think of the other franchises. Anyone from Beverly? Kyle, Kathy, and Kim. <laughs> <laughs> that's tipping into like chaotic territory, but that's a good group. Yeah, Kyle, Kathy, and Kim would be definitely. I would want to just. <laughs> I have so many questions for them about their childhood. But, but then it would have to be a TV dinner. Is the only thing. <laughs> oh yes, we would all be on our own on a tray. It would be very COVID friendly. We'd all be on our trays outdoors, separated, <laughs> shouting at each other. <laughs> Yes, perfect dinner party. Um, obviously, you watch all the Housewives shows for your podcast and you recap all of them and then you go back as well. So in terms of your Housewives viewing journey, are there any shows that you'd like to like go back to or maybe fill in your blanks on your Housewives history on some shows? Like what's what are you thinking you might get into next? Yes. Yeah, so I want to go back and watch The Real Housewives of DC. It's wild that I haven't seen it. Um, yes. especially cause I had a really good friend working at the white house at the time of the Salahi scandal. <gasps> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to like go back and ask her a bunch of questions about what happened. Um, I also want to get into the real housewives of Miami. So DC and Miami were the only franchises that I haven't seen. And so definitely want to do that. And then I've been going back and watching um, Jersey from the beginning. And also earlier this year, I watched the first five seasons of Married to Medicine. And that is so good. So good. I can't, Uh so I'm going to watch seasons six, seven, and eight before the next season nine premieres. 
So oh, wow. yeah, I've only seen clips of Marriage Medicine, and I always am like, I know when I watch this, I'm going to become obsessed with this. <laughs> it's so good. Like you need to start from season one. It's one of those, and season one's a little weird. But once you get to season two, it's like, it's so good. It's like, you just want to watch one after the other. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, binging on Netflix. It doesn't feel like a chore. It feels like the biggest treat you could ever give yourself. Oh God. Okay. When you put it that way. Yeah. Um, Before we, (laughs) before we wrap, where can people find you and where can they find the podcast? So you can find the podcast, I think anywhere that you could listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, um, all of that Podbean. Uh, It's Is This Real Life with Mandy Slutsker. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mandy Slutsker. If you have difficulty finding me, just type in Mandy Slut. And I swear I'm the only one that comes up. I'm Mandy Slut and I've had cholera. Come find me. (laughs) I don't know. This is taking a turn. (laughs) I love that you're like, I swear, and you put in Mandy Slut. I'm the only person that comes up. I'm like, what a claim to fame. (laughs) I know. Well, it was a big thing when Facebook first started because I was in college when Facebook started. And um, my school's was like one of the first schools that was part of it. And so like people would go on and just like get drunk and they would search like slut and then my name would come up and like everyone would friend me and send messages. Like I got poems. Oh my god. Oh my god. Jeez. This just became this like a whole thing. So um and so then my friends in college started calling me Mandy Slut. Um Just, you know, and then they met my dad, and it was like Papa Slut, Mama Slut, my brother was Ben Slut. It was like oh, no. the, the sluts are here. <laughs> hey, it's the sluts. Yeah, come over here. Oh, it's so good to see you. It oh, came the all the way from Minnesota. <laughs> so you're the sluts of Minnesota, literally. Just oh, became like well, a whole okay. thing. <laughs> So the podcast is this real life. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts, and however you f- seek to find Mandy on social media, it sounds like you will find her. <laughs> Mandy Slutsker, thank you very much for coming on Housewives and Me. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love listening to you, Connor. I'm obsessed with hearing your takes, but especially in your accent, it's just it's so fun. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. I'm glad the Irish accent has has turned out useful for something. <laughs> That was Mandy Slutsker here on Housewives and Me. And as you heard, you can find her on social media. Maybe maybe don't try Facebook, but you can try everywhere else. Uh, we'll put links in the show notes for this episode to where you can find Mandy's podcast, Is This Real Life? And where you can find her on social media as well. As always, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you haven't done it yet, I'd really appreciate a rating and or a review of the show. It helps word of mouth, algorithms, all that good stuff. And you can follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts because there are brand new episodes every single Tuesday. And on social media, at Housewives and Me, that is where the show is on Twitter and Instagram and you can follow me it's Connor Bean on those platforms as well so until next time thank you very much for listening stay safe and I'll talk to you soon This podcast is sponsored by Hey You, the home of The Housewives, with every episode and every season of The Real Housewives available to stream or download. You can head over to heyyou.com and get yourself a free trial. And after that, it is only $5.99 a month, which is like the price of a cup of coffee. Plus, there is no commitment. You can cancel any time. I know January is... 
duvet day time, you might want to take one of those for yourself just to get, you know, into the swing of things in the new year. Don't worry, Hey You has you covered. On Mondays, you will get new episodes of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Thursdays, the OGs of the OC, Real Housewives of Orange County, is back. And on Fridays, we will turn the heat up even in January with the return of The Real Housewives of Miami. That is a really stellar lineup of our faves. I think we have plenty to look forward to, even in January. That is the power of Hey You. So head over to HeyYou.com now and try it out for free.